ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Dude, things are blowing up right now at the Launchpad. The release of our Dolph Lundgren interview has been a huge splash. We're like, people are picking this up on like, quote unquote, news. You can't see me do the quotes, quote unquote, news sites, <laughs> like websites. I mean, big shout out to Dread Central, comicbook.com. Just a lot of people picking up this article and putting it out there because people are obsessed with the pictures that we did. How cool is that, man? Yeah, it's really cool. Joe Blow was actually one of the best ones, the guys over there. Yes. Actually, they got wind of some stuff a little early and they were excited too. They were one of the first people to jump on it. And yeah. after they did a bunch of other, did, yeah, movie web, comic book resources, comicbook.com. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people throwing around the similar story of a lot of people doing new ones. Um, it's been super fun and super cool. And a lot, a lot of people are listening, which is great. We're very, like we said, you know, we built this up leading into it. You guys know we are very proud of this. This is one of the, the coolest episodes. And, you know, we usually just do episodes. Once in a while, we'll do a little project on the side, but this is definitely one of the biggest and the coolest project we've ever done. And, you know, you, Krista Mosowitz, Eric Rose, you guys freaking nailed the actual, like, photos. The photos themselves are just so cool. And I think that's getting just as much hype and attention as the interview itself. Absolutely. And something that was reported in one of these articles that I, I didn't even think about this until they said it and, you know, the real sort of weight that this has, they were like, you know, he was in the 1989 movie, Dolph Lundgren played the Punisher, but he never wore the shirt. So you getting him in the shirt for the interview is kind of a big deal and I think that's the words they use kind of a big deal and it's like it is a big deal you were able to arrange the first time Dolph Lundgren has been in a Punisher shirt looking like the Punisher to recreate those images I was like that's pre that's pretty cool I, th I think we should pat ourselves on the back for that shit I was like psyched about that yeah. the whole time like especially you know the last week or two you and I have been a little stressed uh, you know trying to put all the finishing touches on this and release it in just the right way and my wife was like yeah you know are you going to be okay if this doesn't turn into like a thing. I was like, well, I I know it's only going to be so much of a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to stop impeachment hearings to talk about this on CNN. I can just see you like outside with the Punisher shirt just dragging behind you with like the, the Charlie Brown music playing. Just <laughs> Charlie Brown dun, music. Dun, 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 dun. And you're just like, stupid Punisher. And you think throw it in a barrel fire for no reason. <laughs> I just, I knew, and I was like, I said to her, and you know, Rumi, I was like, if a couple nerd news sites pick this up, and if we see a lot of comments that are saying, yeah, this is cool, I said, the handful of people who feel like you and I do, Rumi, that like, that movie was great, and he just needed that thing, we're going to get a nerd boner that's going to last for a day or two, and if I could give those <laughs> nerds those boners, that's all, that's all I really wanted to do. <laughs> Your wife's like, I'm so glad that your only goal in life is to give some nerds some boners. <laughs> well, he didn't phrase it to her like that. I said, babe, fandom is a large part of my life. <laughs> no, you don't understand, babe. It's a really big deal. He never wore the shirt in the movie and now he's wearing the shirt. It's super cool. You don't understand. I, I'm sure had I said, babe, I just want to give these nerds boners, it would have had the same lack of reaction because she wasn't listening. 
you know? <laughs> Although the thing is, like, if you think about this, and I think when you, you you're still in Georgia on Walking Dead, but yeah. you're coming home soon. Oh, so when you soon. get here, we should do another episode or two with the wives. But mm. it'd be interesting to see if you could take the, the head key from the lock and key yeah. and look inside of my head, your head, Amanda's head, and Kate's head, and just see, like, the bin that's labeled Matt stuff in Amanda's head. Compare that in size and quantity to the bin in my head labeled Amanda's stuff. Like, how much of Amanda's bullshit that I don't care about do I remember and vice versa? Because she knows a lot of bullshit that she doesn't want to know, but she yeah. knows it. Oh, Anytime yeah. Anytime I challenge her, she knows it, you know? Yeah, no, sa- same thing. I'm always very impressed when Kate's like, oh, you know that thing, like that thing from that comic book that you know that I don't know why I know it, but I know that that's something you care about. I'm like, oh, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a whole thing one night where I was like talking. I read Secret War and in it, spoiler alert, Nick Fury kind of manipulates Wolverine. And at the end, Wolverine says, after our history and you know me, you are fucking with my head and you, I can't believe that. And he goes and tries to kill Nick Fury. It turns out it was a life model decoy. But I read that and I was like, babe. And I was like telling her and she was just not listening. And I like, but I was trying for like 20 minutes to tell her the story and like the impact of that scene. And I was like, you're not even listening. And she stopped what she was doing, turned around and repeated verbatim everything that I had just said. And I was like, okay, you are listening, but it doesn't look like you're listening. Where for me, I'm like, I'll be doing something. My wife will be like, what did I just say? And I'm like, uh, uh, what did I just yeah, ask you to it's, do? Uh, it's something I've asked you a thousand times before. Uh, We've had fights <laughs> over you not doing it. We had a fight this morning about you not doing it. Uh, I showed you how to do it. Uh, uh, t- take out the trash. Lucky guess, but I know you weren't listening. <laughs> You like start to say it like take a clean wipe, uh, <laughs> fix the clean, door. Pick up the t- <laughs> <laughs> So I just bought the Batman Damned book, the really well done Brian Azrillo and Lieber Mayho. Yeah, they're the artist and the writer, and they did the the Joker book. It's a really cool book, but this is the one that had the Batman D in it. Uh, but they took it mm-hmm. out after the first run, so mine did not have the D. But it was still a pretty good book, really fun to read, like a really cool comic book. You know, they do that thing where they like imagine different characters in like kind of a, a different way. So like Demon was in it, and I don't see a lot of Demon comics. So like he was like in this like underground club. Entrigan. Yeah, yeah, you knew his name. Of course. I had to look it up because I was like, wait, isn't that the demon? They keep calling him this weird name. Nope, that's his name. I was like, oh, wow. So it was pretty cool. Swamp Thing's in it. Not Uh, only do I know his name, but I also know his mind. And I know that when he talks, he very often rhymes. He does. And he's a rapper in the book. He's like in an underground (laughs) club. That's pretty cool. And those guys guys did a very similar thing with Joker where they kind of took this established world and just twisted it a little bit more. Made it In that case, it was a little bit more contemporary uh, stylistic, which was cool. So it sounds like that's what they did here as well. Exactly. And I really liked how they did it. And uh, they continue the story on and uh, Constantine's in it. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool book. It's really worth checking out because the art is incredible. I really love the art in it. Uh, Dead Man's in it. Zatanna's in it. And those are characters that I don't really get a lot in my comic books because I don't read a ton of DC. But uh, this is kind of that DC Dark Universe thing going on. And I was like, that's this is pretty cool. Worth checking out for sure. It, you got the trade of it? I got the hardback of it. It's an edited one that does not have the penis in it There's anymore, no right? Batman dick in it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that... The, you, like, not only did the edited version have no penis, but the, you know, they changed the title, right? <laughs> no, I'm not falling for it, Rumi. Go ahead. Bite. Bite, Rumi. Bite. Okay. Okay. <laughs> tell me, tell me, Matt, from the Launchpad podcast, what, what did they change it to? <laughs> well, yours is called Batman Damn, right? right? <laughs> the one that showed his penis, this big old bat penis, was Batman Damn. <laughs> 
<laughs> it also was not published by DC. They dropped the C for that one. And it was just D. <laughs> <laughs> worth biting. Worth biting. <laughs> worth biting that D. <laughs> Bite that boner. <laughs> for everybody who is a new convert to the Launchpad podcast, you're like, they're really professional. The way they talked to Dolph Lunger was really professional. I'll check out their next episode, too. And we were just talking about Batman dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, we mentioned dildo pizza in the after interview yes. deconstruction of Dolph, but yeah. yeah, we like to give you the uh, the hard hitting professionalism as well as the fart jokes when we can. <laughs> well, since we have some new uh, converts, hopefully you're you're still listening after the Dolph Lundgren interview. Uh, what are some episodes they should check out, Matt? What is what is one of your favorite episodes from our back catalog? The first two that I always say to people to go listen to is the Amalgamations episode and the Bodyguard episode. Those oh, yeah. are two of my favorite things that we ever done. I'll be honest. Like, I love us. I love the sound of my own voice. I think we're both hysterical separately. But you put us in the same room. We crack each other up. And that being said, I don't even listen to our show all that often because I have to be not like I don't drive to work. I walk to work. So I don't have to. I don't have a drive. I don't sculpt or paint or do anything like that. So there's very few times where I have like background thing on that I'm listening to that's not music because music I don't have to hear. Our show I'd have to hear. But the, every once in a while when I go back and throw on an episode of ours, those two are, are always on there because they crack me me up. I even know the jokes, but they still crack me up. Yeah, the Amalgamations one is great, and The Bodyguard is by far one of my favorite episodes we've done. Hysterical stuff. Uh, I really like our Scary Stories episode. It's unique. It's not like anything else we've done, but the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, where we do these like radio plays from those classic Scary Stories book, was really fun to do, and also hysterical because in between the tales that we recreate with like sound effects and stuff, we, we try, to, try to raise a ghost and it doesn't go well. Yeah, if you guys haven't checked that one out that's a good one that's actually one of our most listened to ones right yeah yeah it's one of our most listened to we ones. do like an old-fashioned radio play with me and Rumi doing all the voices and we do a bunch of sound effects too yeah and then between it we we give our two cents on the stories and those are from the books of scary stories to tell in the dark that's a good one for the, the the interviews and stuff that we've done we've talked to some amazing people but some of the best interviews have to be Zeb Wells hands down it's just fucking it's yeah. off the wall bonker situation where we talk to this guy and he also is cool at very quickly turns from an interview into a discussion with a guy who we just met in the creepiest of situations. <laughs> but it sounds like we know each other. It sounds like we're we're buddies and it sounds like we've had this conversation multiple times. That's a good one. And I also will forever love getting uh, Roger Jackson, the voice of Ghostface Killer in Scream to call you and surprise you with fucking all his Ghostface knowledge and, and also horror knowledge. That was a great discussion on horror with that guy. That was amazing. Oh, absolutely. Going way back back our shitty toys or terrible toys episodes really funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> that one's audio quality is probably pretty crappy because i i hadn't quite mastered the art of podcasting but back then that was a hilarious episode classic you and me just bullshitting i mean the one we did with test pattern the, the cross cast where we talked about italian oh, horror movies yes, that's actually on my list of ones to re-listen to now because we talked about italian horror which is not my go-to horror of choice and i've learned so much you and i watched a bunch of them together Together, which is was a really fun experience for me and then chatting with those guys those guys know their stuff it's always fun to talk with people but when you talk with someone who, who knows their craft and those guys knew those movies it was really cool to talk with those guys just looking through the list of stuff we recorded we could do an entire episode where we just scroll through the list and I go oh that's a good one oh that's a good one too yeah so that's called the jerk off <laughs> episode where we just jerk ourselves off and talk about how great we are <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Dolph Lundgren just unsubscribed. He was like, never mind. <laughs> He's like, actually, can you take that interview down? I'm embarrassed to know you guys. <laughs> yeah, he, he to, to protest, he's going to do the Launchpad podcast movie, but he's not going to wear the Launchpad shirt. <laughs> oh, we blew it in the, in the picture that we did where he's shooting us through the doorway. Yeah. We should have not worn our shirts. Then when our shit became like cult level status, idiots from some stupid podcast could have interviewed us and gotten us to wear our shirts then. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, that'd be really funny as hell, dude. Before we get too far into it, let's give some shout outs to people who really helped push this Dolph Lundgren interview. And I mean, all of our fans, guys, we've been getting such good responses. I mean, to all our OG fans, you know, we really appreciate you guys. And thank you so much for commenting on it. You know, people telling us way to go. People telling us how much they liked it. We got a lot of responses. So thanks to all of our fans. Um, we have to give a big shout out to Punisher HQ. It's a social media account on Instagram that really promoted the shit out of these pictures. Uh, so big shout out to Punisher HQ and to Punisher Book, uh, who also reposted this and made a big deal out of it. Uh, thanks to you guys. Uh, we know you're huge fans of the Punisher, so we're just kind of like giving you some sweet stuff to throw up on your site. But to us, it's a big deal that you would pick it up and repost it and show people it and tag us and really did it right. So big shout out to those guys and to everybody who is discovering the Launchpad podcast from the social media and from the news coverage. Welcome to the show, guys. On our show, we like to do a thing every couple weeks where we talk about what have you been watching and we call it that but it's also what you've been reading what you've been listening to it's pretty much any cool media that you've been consuming yep and i watched something a little while ago that we didn't really talk about that i would love to talk about for a couple minutes yeah what is it we didn't really we didn't really go into the banana splits movie did we no i really wanted to see it and you watched it and i didn't get a chance to yet save it for netflix or whatever don't pay for it i paid five dollars for it boo not five dollars terribly spent i've i've spent a dumber five dollar in my <laughs> day, but... <laughs> You don't have to rush out to burn that fiver on this movie. But it was fun. It's the way I keep explaining it to everybody. And this is a better pitch. And Pee Wee Herman, if you're listening, if you made today a Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse movie, but it was about Pee Wee Herman being a serial killer, that's what this movie is. Banana Splits is this this fun show from the 70s about these, you know, four furry creatures. There's a there's a dog. There's a lion. There's a, um, I don't know, like a bear, an elephant. And they're in uh like like almost like mascot type costumes from the 70s they were in a band they'd go on adventures they had these weird little cars that they'd drive around it was a live action show right kid show like it wasn't Sid and Marty it was actually a Hannah and Hannah Barbera yes um property but it was like Sid and Marty Croft level of entertainment and stuff where it was like kind of silly and weird looking but the kids are dancing like I watched an episode where they, those creatures the banana splits are at a, an amusement park and they're getting ready for their band and they're fucking around with kids and they're playing hide and go seek you want to you want to rephrase that Matt no no because that's what it it's creepy the old <laughs> show when you watch it now it's kind of weird and creepy yeah sometimes depending on what year you're watching the the show the voices are very notable Hanna-Barbera voices that you recognize from other shows but like there was no horror or creepy element at least none intention zero there. yeah it was all cheesy right it was like a, it was almost 
like the monkeys. Remember the TV show, the monkeys? I mean, it was like that. I wasn't old kids. enough for any of it, but yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. But you know that it existed, right? For I wasn't sure. Talking yeah. To you. I was talking to the audience because <laughs> like, I'm sure you're all fucking monkeys fans. <laughs> but it was, that's what the, that's what the Venice splits were. They were just you know animals and yeah. or the, you know people in costumes like animals. So this movie comes out, the Banana Splits movie. It came out, I believe, this year. Um, and it's a horror movie. And on the cover, it's the three of them looking creepy, kind of. It's three of them looking kind of creepy and backlit, and one of them is holding an axe. And I was like, it's one of those things, I was like, I don't want to know anything about it. If it, you, you're already telling me it's horror, I just want to watch it and see what happens. Right. And spoiler spoiler alerts will follow. So again, if you guys are new to the show, we try to say spoilers, but assume we're always going to say spoilers. So if we start talking about something you haven't seen yet, pause. Some stupid little kid who clearly has no friends gets <laughs> tickets to go to the live taping of this show, which is apparently still a thing in this universe, and they go, and it's very quickly established that they are not men in costumes, they are animatronics. And okay. They're like robots that walk around and they automatically start glitching and a creepy old guy in a basement is trying to fix them. They end up going crazy and killing people. They only kill a handful of people and the movie itself, there's a couple interesting kills. At one point, one of the animatronics gets damaged and it's got like a Terminator face underneath and visually it looks pretty cool. So this is like Chuck E. Cheese, Five Nights at Freddy's style. Yeah, and again, this, I didn't, I just told you, Rumi, this week, I just kind of discovered Five Nights at Freddy. I knew that it was a thing, but I wasn't yeah. quite sure what it was. I just looked it up and understood what it is. But yes, and a lot of reviewers I've seen since have said that Banana Splits is what Five Nights at Freddy could have been or should have been. But this this is a thing like if someone came to me and said, hey, here's the premise, here's the script, can you direct this? I would be like, fuck yeah. And it would have been way cooler. This movie sometimes is trying for horror, sometimes is trying for like shitty movie Sunday self-acknowledging, you know, weirdness and silliness. Again, it's not bad, but it, could, it had the bones of a creepy ass horror movie. And again, it's like if someone came to you and said, hey, I want to make a peewee play house movie but it's a horror movie and i want zombie to eat somebody's face off but like can you imagine all like think think of if you had to start shooting that movie tonight yeah couldn't you do it you don't have to think very hard about plot or structure there's so many weird things there that could easily be turned creepy that's how i felt this movie was but i think it missed the bus on a lot of uh inherent cool creepy shit that could have been done okay we need to do like a, a peewee's playhouse horror revamp like discussion where like just come up with like great scenarios like somebody sits down in cherry and it like grabs him and just starts eating his legs and it's like ah and you get sucked into the chair it's so cool or like just think of of Pee Wee Herman as a thing right yeah think of what Pee Wee Herman actually was he was a child man child think about the the similarities between him and Norman Bates in that in that regard right yeah literally the same fucking psycho psychological breakdown psychological you know profile he has all these toys he lives in a giant playhouse with things that are literally a fucking live yeah. like inanimate and objects that are animate and talk to him and shit. I mean, what was the fucking like puppet called? What was the name of that shitty puppet that looked like the mean puppet that would come down? Yeah. He had like red hair. Red hair and freckles know, and a, shit. He was a, yeah. He was a dick. Can you imagine him chasing you? Rocky. Be, Rocky, be, I would say. be horrifying. That would freak me the fuck out. You could have like one or two of them be like one you establish that a bunch of them are evil or trying to kill people and then one or two of them becomes okay and one, of, one or two of them tries to help the kids who are stranded in the house. P. Herman is killing people. Just imagine how many easily cool images you can get with whether it was Paul Rubin or someone else in a Pee Wee Herman costume with a weapon with blood splatter. That'd be so cool. It'd be, it would look so awesome.
awesome. Okay. It would be so easy. We'll have to talk about this Pee Wee's Playhouse more, but Banana Split, thumbs up, thumbs down for you. It's straight out sideways if you don't have to spend $5 on it. (laughs) It's worth watching. If it's on HBO or Netflix or whatever and you have a minute, it's worth checking out just because it's fun. Yeah. But it it could have been more. There was one or two cool kills, but it could have been more. I've heard it was lazy. That was the problem. That's what it seems like. You know, it seems like it seems like they say maybe they did the same thing we did. We're like, we don't even need a script. We could start shooting this right now. And then they got like into pre-pro and were like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, shit. Oh, God. Oh, man. (laughs) Story. This story arc's falling flat. When my brother was in town, I found out he hadn't seen a couple of movies that I thought were like iconic. Like, whoa, you haven't seen this? Like he had never seen The Blob, the the remake. That's freaking amazing. So we watched that and it was so cool to share that with people and to see them see it for the first time. And like when that guy's Mm -hmm. arm gets pulled off in the the first scene when the blob starts killing people and everybody's like, oh my God. It's like, yes, this movie's amazing. And then they hadn't seen Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or 3. So we watched both of those, which was super fun. And I tell you, every time I watch Nightmare on Elm Street 2, it gets better and better for me because it's the last one that's scary. After that, like Dream Warriors is my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street. But at that point, Freddy has has starts spitting jokes. Welcome to prime time, bitch, and all that stuff, right? The second one, he tells some jokes, but he's still scary as hell. And there's only sure. something, like, there's something I, I think you need to change for the second one to be probably one of the best movies in the franchise is that don't make Freddy real to the people at the party. If you kept it as you don't know if Freddy is there or if it's the kid's mind doing this, because there's a scene where Freddy's at the party killing kids and then he walks through a fence and the fence catches on fire and everybody's like, whoa, if you didn't show that part and you <laughs> left it kind of vague, whether it was in the kid's head that he was Freddy or not, or you didn't show people seeing him transform and it was left to your mind, whether it was happening for real or not. I think that is a great Freddy Krueger movie. But the problem with the second one is it doesn't really follow its own rules. Like he comes out into the real world and stuff. But if you left it vague on whether that was happening or not, I think you'd have a really solid movie. I agree. I don't think that was their aim. Now, whether or not they like, clearly they didn't think of that and decide against it because that's a great idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they weren't like, that would be awesome. No, I, I think they if literally they thought kinda, that then they would have had it. They kind of lost some some sight of to what it was because I love the idea of Freddy possessing a kid to start killing people and he finds the glove and he's killing people with the glove or maybe even the gloves again a representation that's in his head and he's murdering people mm. but like at the end of the movie the last scene you don't know if, like they're like hey that was a great party and you're like great party like nine kids died what are you talking about <laughs> but you know then it turns into another like Freddy horror moment but it, it's still I think that movie was so close because it still was very creepy very creepy I think that movie's like super solid at, at the end of the day and every time I watch it I think there's more stuff to like about it we watched Freddy 2 or Revenge of Freddy Freddy's Revenge yeah for shitty movie the other night dude we had a great crowd couple newbies couple veterans for shitty movie and we could just rip that shit apart it's so goddamn funny yeah which is awesome and and this is why I like nerding out with you because you're telling me about how it was the last one that was scary and if you watch it Freddy is scary for sure but the movie itself is just so bonkers with some of the stuff that it does on purpose yeah that it does subtly and some of the stuff that just kind of happens accidentally that I don't think the film meant to be a certain way yeah but it's just it's wild it really is funny and the other thing too and this is um, indicative of really cool movies at that time is some of the effects are great great that transformation scene is amazing they're great you know it's like a lot of Tom Savini stuff a lot of stuff yeah. I'll watch like that Savini does and I'll be like 
I can see the seams. That's not that great. But that, like, that's watching it now. When you think back then, it stood the test of time to look as good as it does now. That's something to, to think about. But yeah. back then, that was the most fucking bitching thing you could do then. And I feel like this movie has a lot of those moments where you're like, shit, that wouldn't fly in a movie today. But that looks great knowing that it came from the 80s, you know? Well, and like you were saying, you watched The Blob recently? My wife and I actually, just like what you just said, Amanda had never seen it. I try to get her to watch one horror horror movie every October with me and I try to get her to watch one any movie I want for my birthday. That's what I get. Some people do like sex shit for their birthday. I'm like, babe, will you just sit down and watch a movie with me? <laughs> and I won't like try to pick ones that I know will like displease her or that she'll be like, you know, trying not to watch. Yeah. But, like I'll try to watch a movie like that I think she might like Terminator. She'll never fucking watch Terminator unless I make her. Yeah. But if I make her watch it, she might be like, oh, that was pretty good. So she was like, I said, I think the blob would be something that you would like. I said, it's got a lot of things in common with the thing which I've made her watch before and she likes she's actually seen John Carpenter's thing probably like four or five times which is like I don't know that she's ever seen a movie more than once she's not a big movie person yeah but we watched the blob and she was into it there was no falling asleep there was no complaining about shit there were definitely some moments where I was like oh how cool was that and she was like that was pretty cool but she was not you know she didn't have a boner we yeah. didn't expect her to have a boner you know but it is that movie is just so goddamn fun so good man and it was super fun to show it to my brother and his wife Kevin and Meg who have been on the show for the uh, Bill and Ted series that we did. They came on the show and talked oh, with us about that. Oh, that's another good episode. I love that's that episode. episode right? Two episodes. Yeah, two episodes back to back. Really fun. <laughs> full-on robot chubbies. Um, but they had full-on robot chubbies for the blob because it was super fun and the practical effects are state-of-the-art and still hold up, but we were talking about it and it's like, this is the best it will ever get because if you redo that movie now, that shit's all CGI guaranteed. None of it will be practical. So, now here's, here's something about CGI and robot chubbies. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Something like The Blob. I remember being, and I told Amanda and I showed her the freeze frame of the movie that was the cover of The Blob in my video rental store back in the 80s and 90s that used to terrify me. I never saw that movie until I was a grown-up. Yeah. I may have seen a bitter piece of it on cable here or there, but I never watched it. Now I watch it and the appreciation I have is different than a movie like maybe The Thing or or, or, or The First Nightmare or The First Freddy uh, First Jason rather, that I saw when I was younger. What do you think of movie like The Blob, what do you think the experience is different whether you see it later in life or as a kid? I feel like you like it and hate it for different reasons and I think it might have a different shelf life. What do you think about that? Well, as as an adult, you scrutinize things differently and like for me, mm. the Blob stuff when the Blob is, when he gets really big that's blob. when, yeah, when he gets yeah. really big that's when some of those effects start to feel a little dated or a little cheesy because it's hard to show something that size running through a city sure. but there's a couple scenes where he's like picking up people and they're kind of shitty stop motion guys wiggling around and it, it feels really comped on but it's not bad I still think that like hey you pulled it off and and for every PC kind of go well there's something that makes you go oh shit he melted that guy's face off and pulled that guy through a bookcase right. oh my god so there's there's all of that but when you're a kid the special effects would have blown my mind yeah man that movie's so good the effects are so good but yeah it was sad to think like this is the best it will ever be even with today's technology yeah. like it's just that that's probably true this is as it good as it gets better than that right probably not i mean because it'll it'll all be fake and it's like i don't know the if only time i think a movie that's fake would work better is something like did you see hardcore henry oh so good i don't think that movie in the 80s or 90s or even early 2000s would be as good as it is now because you need the technology and the filmmaking um techniques that we have pioneered in the last 10 15 years you need those to make that specific 
specific movie. But I don't know that that looks or works any better than The Blob. I just think that's a type of a new breed of thing that couldn't have existed exactly properly back then. The technology aids lends itself perfectly for a movie like Hardcore Henry, where The Blob, you're just you're making it fake. Whereas this was all practical, jelly, gross puppets, and you know all the effects just look so good. And it's like you could probably do some interesting things with CGI, but if that blob isn't real, it's not as good as this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're you're 100% right. And it's funny because you say that, you know, you have this big comp of a blob that was made with gelatin and and they were, I was watching some of the special features in the Blu-ray. They essentially had like these giant silk bags that were filled with methicellulose and stuff. Methicellulose is like uh, a water-based lubricant and goo that they use for for alien uh, spit and shit in movies and everything. They were talking about some of the effects. So some of the blob was that, you know, in giant bags and, and, and quilts, they were calling it. Stop motion animation puppets and stuff and then rear screen, front screen projection and stuff. It still is so fucking cool. And I would take that, even if you could seamlessly do it in CG, I don't know. It's weird too. And I always bring the nostalgic factor into it. When you and I see stop motion, even if it's not the greatest stop motion, it makes us think of our childhood and it makes us think, I guess as film guys and also as special effects guys ourselves, we think about what the process is and appreciate it. There's always, I think, that warm, fuzzy place in our heart. So I wonder, someone who didn't grow up with that, someone who grew up 10 years after us, say, do they? does it bother them when they see the stop motion? Or does it yeah. bother them less when they see a CG blob? Does it not bother them as much that there's no comp lines? Like, Whereas you and I see this the CG blob and are like, that looks fake because it doesn't look fake. <laughs> well, like... <laughs> <laughs> but but like does some kid watch like Jason and the Argonauts and they see that amazing Ray Harryhausen uh, sure. stop motion skeletons and stuff does like uh, a younger generation do they look at it and go oh look at that grandpa shit oh I hate it it looks so fake and like stuttery oh god I wish it looked like Thanos so I don't care you know it's like you know is that what they expect like does anything sure. less than that look like garbage because to me like the Ray Harryhausen stuff is such a nostalgic factor because you're like oh we man get, I have a cousin I have a cousin who's in high school right now yeah we should get him on the show and ask him like the Avengers when you see Thanos what do you think about special effects wise like think about how you feel and what you think yeah and then like I should watch the blob with him and be like talk about the effects in one movie and the effects with the other movie and tell us like honestly what do you see what did you like from both what did you not like from both that would be pretty interesting right to hear what 100% not that he's a spokesperson for the generation but just to hear what a generation thinks about the divide between the special effects and the filmmaking tech well, already I'm thinking like when I watch a Avengers nothing in my mind goes how did they do that because right. I know how yeah, they did yeah, that yeah. but when I was a kid <laughs> and I saw fucking Jabba the Hutt or any right. of the droids I was like how did they do that because there's there's a trick to it I get, I wonder and this will be interesting to see in the next say 10-15 years practical special effects for the longest time people said is a dying breed now I don't know if I necessarily believe in that there's definitely less of it and there's definitely more digital for sure but I wonder if not only are filmmakers and filmmaking cutting down on practical special effects but I wonder you and I grew up watching Star Wars saying how did they do that and every let's say one of every 10,000 kids said I want to learn how to do that I want to make Jabba the Huts when I grow up Yeah. whereas now you have these kids watching it are they watching Thanos completely CG shit being like I want to be a CG special effects guy when I grow up I guess I guess that does happen I mean interesting my industry gets pumped full of kids every day who are like I want to learn how to do 
that, but I don't know what draws you to that. Because for me, it was just sure. like, well, I'm making a movie and I want to do this. How do how do I make? Uh, I can't afford squibs. How do I shoot somebody in a movie? That's literally right, right. The question that got me on CGI. Right, right. So I wonder, like, I wonder though, the the, the you or I yeah. today watching a movie when they watch Endgame, do they look at Thanos and say, "Wow"? You know, I know the answer is computers, but do they say, "How do they do that"? Yeah. I want to start making things like that. I want to be the next class that makes those even better. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. an interesting idea, right? But when I watched The Blob, even watching it this time, there's moments where I'm like, how did they do that? And it's like, I know mm-hmm. that I know a lot of the tricks, but The Blob's one of those movies that you're like, there's so many gags and gimmicks in it that you're like, how did they do each one well, of these? You know, it's like when you and I, and again, this is the jerking each other off episode, not each other, ourselves off <clears> episode. <throat> when we interviewed Steve Johnson, yeah. he told a story about two different effects from Fright Night. And I had just seen the movie before we talked to him and I remember watching it and being like I'm pretty sure they did that effect this way and he confirmed it and he was like oh well but if you know how you did it I was like no no but it doesn't matter if you know you still got me that aha moment where I was like I had to think about how you did it but because of my experience as a special effects artist and I'm also in my 30s and I've seen special effects documentaries and shit I could put a couple clues together but you still have that that moment yeah and I guess we should do an episode where we try to figure out what the latest movie that has that aha moment is like the how did they do that moment i saw it recently happened to me i was watching uh the deuce which is james franco (laughs) why would you call a movie that because it's it's about a it's about a a place in new york called the deuce which was like the red light district yeah no i get it but (laughs) i know you know what it made me think of (laughs) dookie so there's a a moment where uh he plays himself and his shithead brother and there's a moment we're in the same scene together and i know how you do this a lot but there's a moment where he's talking to his brother at the bar and you know it's normally behind a bar a mirror Mm -hmm. so it's them interacting with each other while he's in the mirror as the reflection talking to himself standing behind the bar and then a bartender comes up and passes one of them a glass and he takes it and i was like that right there i know how you did it if it was a split screen but there's an interaction that blew my mind it's like right good cl- clever techniques using the, the best like s- probably the simplest digital sort of tweakery made a really cool effect that had me going like hold on rewind that wait how did he do that where he grabbed the glass how did they do that in the reflection that's pretty cool so yeah. there's there still are moments of that but when you just show me like a giant battle of a thousand CGI characters ramming into each other it's not as impressive because I'm like yeah I know how you did that I know it's a lot of work and a lot of modeling but at the end of the day it's all contained in like the computer did it there's no trick sure. to it it's just right right hard Hard work, a lot of people, and a lot of time. Sure. You know, it's like, I'm not impressed by a a building. It's like, I know what it takes. It's architecture. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of planning. But when you have a piece of architecture that should be impossible, that's amazing. Or you see there's a trick behind it. And I think when there's a trick that you can't figure out, that's when you're intrigued and that's when you want to find out more. It's true. I saw some some pretty cool pictures on the internet trending last week. But it was, I mean, it was just Dolph Lundgren just kind of photoshopped into a background. I was like, I know how they did that. <laughs> no tricks here. No, dude, those still. We saw one fucking douchebag hater kid who was like, that looked fake. And you're like, thanks for your input, dude. Everyone else loves it. Thank you guys so much for checking out all of that Dolph Lundgren stuff. We're glad to have you guys with us here. Keep listening. We're going to keep doing fun stuff. We have some cool stuff planned. No joke. I don't want to reveal a hand. Ruby, I'm going to tell you in a second. But while we were talking, I just got a notification of something that might be coming down the pike that could be pretty cool. Fucking awesome, dude. Yes. Keep listening here. Launchpad Pod dot com 
our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod. Guys, we love hearing from you. Keep it up. Thank you so much for all the support with our most recent stuff, making these episodes super huge. We love doing it for you, and we're going to keep doing it episodes every week. Matt, let's blast this thing off. We're the Rocketeers, and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.